a great day? I mean, the sun's out, it's shining, it's Mother's Day, we got baby dedications, which is really a parent dedication. I mean, that, that is cool, cool stuff. And we're glad you're here today. Thanks for making us part of your Mother's Day celebration. That, that's, that's good. We are in a, a series, we're three weeks in, called Winning the Battle for Your Mind. And we started this series off a little bit differently. We actually started off illustrating how science has actually caught up to the Bible finally, about the issue of that we can change. We can change our behaviors, but first, we have to change our minds. Neuroscience teaches us that we have 86 billion neurons in our brain, and that's just a type of brain cell that sends and receives information, and they each have 10,000 connections with other neurons, which makes 860 trillion pathways or connections in between these neurons which shape how we think because the more we think one way, the more that path gets used, but that we can change the way we think by renewing our mind, by taking in God's truth. That's what we've been looking at for the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, if we change the way we think, we can change the way we live. God has told us for 2,000 years that we can be transformed, our life can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the way that renewing of our mind happens is that we take in God's truth and that replaces the lies that, that we've believed before that. Lies that our culture tells us, lies that sometimes just our background, the way we grow up, tells us, I, I illustrated that last week, or just lies we tell ourselves. We take in the truth of God's word. He's our creator. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we take in that truth and dwell on it, the more we dwell on it, the more we will live it out. And that's what God intends for us. The more we put off behavior that's based on lies, we get rid of that, renew our minds, and put on God's truth, and that leads us to a new way of living. So learning biblical truth and dwelling on it, thinking about it, changes the way we think, which changes the way we live, and that's what winning the battle for your mind, this series, is all about. And today, we're going to see how that applies to the topic of worry, so last couple of weeks have been hitting this more in a general way, but now we're gonna start doing some topics. So today, it's about worry. And I gotta tell you, worry and anxiety is at epidemic levels, especially in the United States today. And, and by the way, that includes moms too. So if you didn't know that, I'll throw that in. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults. About 19.1% of people that are 18 and older. That's been, who's been diagnosed. Anxiety disorders affect about 32% of adolescents right under that between 13 and 18 years old. That's just... People have been diagnosed, but when you just talk about stress and anxiety and worry, a recent Gallup poll said 60% of U.S. adults feel daily stress, worry, 
anxiety. And, and I got to tell you, anxiety is terrible for us. You know, the more studies they do, we realize it affects our mental health, it affects our physical health, and it affects our spiritual health. It, it's, it's just, it's the trifecta of not good for us, worry. And so we want to make sure that we are following God's truth in this topic because God, actually Jesus, had something to say about worry. And, think, and I think sometimes, especially a lot of us guys, we say, I, I don't worry. Did you ever wake up in the middle of the night when you first wake up, there's kind of a sense of dread or like something's wrong, and then you have to kind of think through, oh yeah, what's, what's going on? I mean, you haven't even started really thinking it, and you wake up. Maybe it's three in the morning, and it's like, oh. And you kind of think through that. Or do you spend significant time in your day where you're fixated on a future possibility that you can't control? It just keeps going over your mind. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? This is a problem. I have an issue. I've got to fix this. And, and you keep thinking about something, but a lot of times we're thinking about things that we have no control over. It's kind of like this. It, it's like this aquarium is our mind. And then we're, we think about things, and then we have worries. You know, so bubbling around in our mind, you know, we're thinking about, hey, our health, you know, what's going on there? Did I get that test? I haven't got the results yet. Hey, if I didn't get the results yet, is that a bad sign? Are they waiting for a doctor to tell me? Somebody just can't tell me that. You know, what's going on there? Or it can be uh, our relationships. You know, hey, I, you know, I went by that person and then they, they didn't seem as friendly to me as they did the last time. You know, I'm wondering what's going on there. Are they bummed at me? Did I say something wrong? Did I offend them in some way? You know, we have all, all that stuff. We have finances, my job. How's that going? Boy, I don't know about that. Or, hey, money's tight, my budget. What can I do to fix that? You know, I, I've got to get on. Man, I've got to, I, I got to make a budget. Maybe I won't be in this, but I haven't done that yet. I need to get on that. Or I have plenty of money, but now there's interest being paid, and I haven't put my money into an interest account. So every single day I don't do that, I'm actually losing money, and I can't afford to lose money like that. And so we just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. And then as parents, you know, all of a sudden one day we have children. You know, and, and then that happens, and so we're worried about that. You know, then it's the, not just our health, it's their health, and, and how are they doing, and what's going on with them, and how are their grades, and what's happening with, you know, them at school, and what friends are they picking out, and what's going on. And then every area of our life, we just have all these worries, and they just start floating around, but we're Christians, so we know, no, as a Christian, I should be able to deal with this, right? As a Christian, okay, I, I've got this because I'm not supposed to worry. So we grab these and we kind of push them down below the surface. You know, we get them, we get them, we get them, and, and we push them down below the surface and it's okay. And we're kind of holding them, but then they keep popping up every once in a while. And then when that happens, we're, we're just, we're kind of losing control, but we're holding them down. And then we say, well, I'm going to pray about this. So I'm praying about it, and that kind of holds them down, and I feel better for that, but it's like they just, every once in a while when I'm there at night, boom, one pops up, and another one, and another one, and here they come. W what are we doing? 
You know, and we say, well, we're praying about it because God says not to worry, but, but we pray about it and we're told to do that. But a lot of times we're not really getting rid of our worries. We're just doing one more thing, pray about it, and then we just hang on to it. We hold it all down. And while we're holding it down, we're saying things like, oh, it's good. God's in control. God has this. Let go, let God. You know, we say all the right things, but we're still holding it all down and it's not really working because it keeps bubbling up and, and we just keep trying and keep trying. And then some people say, well, the deal, you don't understand. Some of this stuff I have to hold down because it's not, and it's not wrong, it's not worry. I would call it a concern. Anybody do that? I, hey, I'm not worrying. I'm just concerned about this. So what's the difference between worry and concern? Ever think about that? Well, a concern is about something that we can take action. If we have a concern, that leads us to take action. It always leads to action. But if we have worry or anxiety, that's about things that we really don't have much control over, and that leads to inaction. That sort of freezes us up. We don't know what to do. We're stuck, and we just keep thinking and thinking and worrying and worrying. It produces anxiety in our life. It just goes on and on and on, and we can't solve it because there's no action to take. So let's look at what the greatest teacher in history had to say about worry 2,000 years ago when he lived on earth. So Jesus tells us, and you already know this, Jesus tells us, don't worry. And he also tells us why not to worry. And we find that in Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew 6, about two-thirds the way in, first book of the New Testament. And uh, Matthew's written by a disciple of Jesus in the first century. So he is an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry and his teaching like this. And then after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Matthew is writing this because everybody wants to know about Jesus. And that's one of the gospels, one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus that were all written by first century writers. So here's, here's, what, here's what he says. This is what Jesus says that Matthew recorded for us. Matthew 6, 25. For this reason... I say to you, do not be worried about, about what, what, which one? About your life. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And that's just part of the verse. But before we go on to find out what the rest of the verse says, we, we need to understand, well, it started out for this reason, or in some versions it'll say, therefore. Well, we gotta know what the therefore is therefore for this reason, what reason? And so we have to back it up, one more verse, back to verse 24. Here's what he said right before that. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
All right, so right there, this is in the context of Jesus talking about money. He actually talked about money and generosity a lot. But, and that's one of our number one worries. So right on the heels of that, he's saying, hey, don't worry about money. Don't, don't let that creep up. Number one, keep God first. You can't serve them both. And so we get it. Okay, people are focused on the wrong things like money. Verse 25, for this reason, back to the verse, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So this is the first of three rhetorical questions that he's gonna ask in this small section. Rhetorical question means the answer's obvious. You know, he's saying, yes, life is more than, than food and clothing. We get it. Now Jesus explains why we shouldn't worry. So don't worry, we got it. Now why we shouldn't worry, verse 26. And basically, he's gonna give us some reasons. And the first reason is, worry is unreasonable. Or to say it another way, Worry is illogical. Worry doesn't really make sense if we're a God follower. It doesn't make any sense. He's going to explain why. Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. And when he says look, he's not saying, hey, direct your eyeballs over there. What he's saying is, look at this, think about it, consider this, put this into your mind. Think about the birds Look over there, now think about this with me. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Second rhetorical question. Of course we are. He's saying, hey, look at the birds. They're not worried about anything, yet they're taken care of. Think about that. And then, and why does that happen? Because God takes, he created nature. God takes care of nature. Everything's good that way. And so they're taken care of. They're not worried about anything. And think about it. God loves you, and that's every person here, way more than he loves anything else in creation on this earth. He loves you. He tells us that all through scripture. And so notice the lack of worry does not indicate idleness. It's not like the birds are like, yeah, I don't have to worry, and so I'm just gonna sit here in my nest. No, birds are busy. You know, they, they move quick, right? And they're flying around, and they're eating, and they're building nests, and they're do going here, there. You know, at 5.43 this morning, you know, they're singing, you know, outside, my, you know, they're, they're, they're all over. They're, and they seem to be having a pretty good time, as near as I could tell. The lack of worry doesn't mean idleness. You know, and parents, moms and, and dads, you know, we worry about our kids because we want the best for them, right? I mean, that's why we're concerned. But then when we can't do things in their life, it becomes worry, anxiety, because we want the best, but we don't know how it's going to turn out. And so we, we worry about that. We, we think about it. We hover. We do all these things that, that are negative. And, and God's saying we don't have to. And why don't we have to? Because we need to remember this. When you're worried about your child, remember this. God loves your child more than you do. God the creator of the universe, 
and the creator of you and them, God loves your child more than you do. And, and another thing, God loves you more than you love your child. Because you're thinking, well, you don't know how much I love. Right, I, yeah, I get it. I have children. Pam and I have children. Yeah, God loves you more than you love your own children. And when we wrap our, wrap our minds around the fact that God loves us more than we can ever imagine because he's infinite and we're not, so he loves us more than we can imagine, that helps us to understand the main message of the entire Bible. And the main message of the entire Bible is, is, can be wrapped up, and I'll use this verse from Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates, remember, love is action. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. He loves us in a self-sacrificial way. What God is telling us in this whole book is that we were created in God's image and he gave us this incredible gift of free will. That we were rational beings, that we could be self-aware, that we could know God, think about God, relate to God. But we misuse that gift of free will to do things God said not to do. We sinned against him. Remember, perfect garden, but then there's that one tree. Why? To show that we do have will. And so we've all misused our free will. We've sinned against God. And God says that's bad and wrong. Sin has to be punished. And now when we're on the wrong end of that, we're thinking, wow, that's harsh. That doesn't sound like a God who really, 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 really loves us. If what, what he's telling us is you've done something wrong and you have to be punished and it's so bad, more, it's worse than, than we think it is in our mind that the punishment is separation from him forever, a righteous and holy God. But, and that's all true though, but God loves us so much, he showed it. He allowed his son Jesus to come to take on humanity, limit himself in that way, take on humanity, live a perfect life with no sin, and then therefore be the only one qualified to die and pay the penalty for somebody else's sin, and that's exactly what he did, and because he's infinite God, it was enough to pay for all of our sin, all of our sins. But, he says, in order to receive that gift, we have to turn to him in repentance, we have to admit our sin before God, humble ourselves. We have to believe or put our trust in Christ and Christ alone. And we know we've really done that if we commit our lives to following him, if we want to follow him. It's just ABC. Admit your sin, believe what, who Jesus is, what he did for us, and then want to follow him, commit to following him. That's the most important message. It's called the gospel, the good news. That's the most important message you'll ever hear in your life. And we're, we're gonna move on with worry, but if you don't have that down, if you don't know that you've come to God in that way and have your own personal relationship with God based on your sin and you sincerely asking him forgiveness, 
because you put your trust in what Jesus has done and nothing else, not that you're a good person in any way, because that doesn't contribute in any way. It's all Jesus. And when you realize that love, your gratitude makes you want to follow. Most important decision, if you haven't done that, you should just contemplate that the rest of the time up here we're talking, because that's more important. So why do we not worry? Because it's unreasonable if we understand God's love for us. First reason. That's what he's telling us. It's not only it's unreasonable, but also worry, second reason, is unwise. It doesn't work, right? Verse 27. And who, this is Jesus talking, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Third rhetorical question. That's it for them. Who, by worrying, can add a single hour to your lifespan? Nobody. Can you do that? No. Or can worry add a single hour to somebody you love's lifespan? No. Worry doesn't work like that. It doesn't help to worry about what might happen with a future event if there's nothing you can do about it. The difference between worry, anxiety, and concern. Basically, any future thing that you're worried about, one of three things is going to happen. First of all, what you are worried that'll happen will n- never happens. A Penn State study said that that happens about 91% of the time. 91% of the time, the thing we're worried that's going to happen doesn't happen. And it doesn't, and it, and it, it has nothing to do with the fact that we worried about it, right? It just didn't happen. So most of what we worry about, it's not going to happen anyway. And then the second way, the second thing that can happen is it happens, what you're worried about happens, but you discover that it wasn't as bad as you thought. Oh, oh, I got through that. Wow, I just thought that would destroy me. That didn't really destroy me. Or the third way is it happens, and it is as bad as you thought. I mean, it's maybe worse than you thought. And then as a believer, you have Jesus Christ coming alongside of you and walking you through every step of that. And when that happens, you'll have a closer relationship to him than you ever did before. Those are the three options. We don't have anything to worry about. God will use whatever is in our life to work together for our good. Paul tells us that in Romans, if we're following him, we're called according to his purpose. That's what God wants for us. So worry's unreasonable, it's unwise, and it's also unnecessary. Jesus is going to explain this to us. It's unnecessary. We don't have to worry. God already knows. Verse 28. Jesus continues, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon and all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? And then just wraps this by saying, oh, you of little faith. He's saying, hey, it's unnecessary. God takes care of nature. He designed it. He cares for it. He loves us way more than plants and birds. He's saying, have faith, trust God. Have faith sort of means 
Trust God. And he continues in verse 31. Do not worry then. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Okay, what's he saying there? We talked about last time how the word Gentiles is used two different ways. One way is ethnically, it's all non-Jewish people, so almost everybody in here would be considered a Gentile. But then the second way it's used in the New Testament is the typical, it's a depiction of the Gentiles, non-meaning pagan worshipers or non-God-fearers or you know, polytheists. He's like, and that's how he's using it again. Hey, he's using it in the sense of non-believers because some of the people that are listening to him are non-believing, non-Jewish people. So he's saying, hey, you don't have to worry about this stuff. Non-believers are worried about all that stuff. But you, you shouldn't. Your heavenly father knows. He knows your every need. So he's got this. It's unnecessary. He already knows. You have a perfect heavenly father who loves you, already knows everything you need. Think about the implications of that. Think about your own child if, if you have children. You know, you can anticipate their needs. You know what they need. And some things that they want are not things that they need or even good for them. You know all that as a parent or most of that. God, who knows way more than we do and knows everything that we've ever done in secret or even thought about, God knows what we need. And he wants us to thrive. Now, it may not be everything we want. This is not health and wealth and prosperity. Hey, I want to be rich. God kind of owes me to be. No, that's not what we're talking about. Being rich will wreck your life sometimes. Money's not bad, but the love of money is bad. Look at the lottery winners. I mean, you ever watch shows about that? It's like they wreck their Maybe not all of them, just every one that I saw on a show. You know, they wrecked their lives. They have a mansion they can't pay for, no friends, divorce, no family, can't mow their yard, and, the, and you know, and they're in foreclosure. They have no money. You know, it's like, what? How did that happen? Think about the implications of a father who loves us and wants good for us. So Jesus tells us to put off the worry and then based on truth, put this into our minds and live this out. Put on this other behavior. So Jesus gives us truth that we should take in our minds and then live out by following him. We renew our minds by replacing the lives we believe with truth. So if we put off worry from our lives, that's going to create a void. What do we replace worry with? Have you ever... Tried to not think about something? I don't want to think about that. And then you think about it. And then, no, stop it. I don't want to. It's kind of like when you know you need to sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night, but you, it's a short night and you have something big going on in the morning. I got to sleep. I got to sleep. I got to. And that keeps you awake, right? Just, just the pressure of, I got to be sleeping right now. You know, sometimes we're like that when. When, no, no, I, I don't want to think about this. That's what we think about. So if we're putting this worry off, the most effective way is we, we, we replace it with something else. 
and we change our thinking so we can live out what Jesus taught. So what do we replace worry with? First of all, trust God. We've already kind of talked about that. There was a time for all of us, not, not everyone here is a believer, but even for us as believers, there was a time before we turned our life to Jesus that we may have believed that God existed and we believed in Jesus. We might have had some good thoughts about Jesus. We liked him, but we never trusted him. We didn't trust him with our life. We didn't think what he said is more important than what we say. We didn't give our life over to follow him. We just liked Jesus, and especially that love part, and then we live our own life, and we say Jesus is good at best, you know? But even now as believers, when we've become convinced of who Jesus is and how he loves us and what he did, and that he says there's only one way to him, not 50 religions, one way, Jesus said. Jesus, greatest moral teacher, says one way through trust in Christ. You know, even as believers, every time we knowingly do something that we know that God says is wrong, every single time, in that moment, we're choosing to trust our own wisdom more than God. We do that all the time. Every single time we catch ourselves doing something or even plan to do something that we know, yeah, if Jesus was standing right here next to me, I probably wouldn't be doing this. Every time we do that, we're trusting in our own wisdom. We're believing the lies that we've taken in through our culture, through our background, or that lies we've told ourselves, and we're believing, trusting in that more than we are the truth of God's word. Trust God. So Philippians chapter 4, 6 tells us that we should be anxious for nothing, but rather we should turn our attention and our hearts to God in prayer. And so we should pray about it. Peter kind of says the same thing. He says, casting all your anxiety. And at first he says, humble yourselves. But he's saying, casting all your anxiety, all your worry upon him because he cares for you. Do you get the picture that Peter's saying? See, we're holding these things down. Yeah, and I'm praying about it. You know, here they are. I got these covered in prayer, and I got these covered in prayer, and, and I've got this, and I'm good to go, and God is good, and I believe him. But we're not, we're not letting go. That, that's not the imagery that Peter's. He's saying, cast all your cares, all your worries, all your anxiety on him. That's not managing. That's casting upon Jesus. Get rid of them. Casting on Jesus. This word casting is throwing upon God. We're like saying, okay, God, I'm juggling all this. I need to give this over to you. And, we get, and then all of a sudden, it's not floating around in our minds anymore, right? It's gone. But now here's the problem. After we do that, we feel pretty good. But then we're like, where did that go? We're, we're, oh, here it is. Yeah, we, we grab this and we pick it up and we think, nah, this one's really important and we throw it back in the tank, back in our mind and we start worrying. Does anybody ever do that? Stop doing that. Throw it onto God. Cast it onto him. Does that make sense? And then it, it's not on us and do not go pick that up again. It's on God. God can handle this better than us, right? What's the downside? 
There is no downside. It's how we think. We've just got to get that into our heads so we can then live it out in our life. That's what God wants for us. So first of all, trust God. Secondly, we first seek God. Verse 33, here's what Jesus says. But seek first, not all this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Hey, get this out of your mind. What you replace it with, hey, I trust God. I'm just gonna do what God wants me to do. I'm gonna seek his kingdom. I'm gonna be about what God wants me to be about. And let God take, we've already thrown, we've thrown this to God. He's got it. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Trust God, seek first his kingdom or seek God first. Keep focusing on following God. Let the chips fall. Don't let worry or anxiety immobilize you from doing what God's called you to do. Keep doing what he wants you to do. So how do we fill that up? We get rid of this. We get rid of these worries. We trust God. We seek God first and his kingdom. We give God tomorrow. How many of you have come to the point in your life after living several years that you cannot control the future. Well, that's good. Yeah, because we can't, right? Give God tomorrow. Who can control the future? Yeah. Give God tomorrow. You've got enough to mess with in today. Here's what Jesus says in verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. By the way, this word care, same exact Greek word. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about, it'll worry for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we restrict our concerns to taking care of what we can do today, we defeat worry. Is there anything I can do about this today? Yes? Okay, go do it. No, nothing I can do about this. Okay, then I don't need to be thinking about it. Anything I can do about this today? No? All right, God, you have it. I don't have to worry about it. You told me not to worry about it. So I'm, I'm passing this off to you, and I don't have it anymore. That's what God wants for us. Don't reach out and grab tomorrow's concerns and then drag them in to today. Don't do that. God's saying don't do that. If you can't do anything about it, leave it for tomorrow. Don't think about it today. Jesus said you don't have to worry about that. And so right now what I'd like to do is, as we close, we're gonna have a, a song to close with, but I just want us to contemplate think, is, is this what God is telling me that I should not worry? And if that is true, that I shouldn't worry, I need to give this over to God. What in your life right now do you know, yeah, I need to give that over to God?
You know, and I know sometimes what we're thinking is, well, that's a big one. You know, I think I do need to worry about this. If you can't do anything about it today, are you supposed to be thinking about it, worried about it? No. Give it over. Trust him. He's, he's the one you can trust. Take it to the bank every time. He will never, ever let you down. Trust him. So try to identify that in your mind, that thing or those things what do you need to turn over to God? And we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And then we're, we're going to close with a reprise of one of our songs. But let's do business with God before we leave. First, by admitting, you know, what, when worry is wrong. Uh, maybe I didn't say that clear enough. Worry, anxiety is wrong. It's something we should admit to God. Confess it. God, I, I shouldn't be living that way. It robs my joy. It keeps me from being who I should be as a believer. So I'm going to admit that, and I'm going to turn this over to you. Identify those things in your life as we stand together and pray. Let's stand. Father God in heaven, we admit to you that, that we hang on to things. And we worry. It could be about our kids. It could be finances, our job, retirement, relationships, you know, whatever it is. And we just, even though there's no action to take, we can hang on to it. It's bad for us. You tell us not to do it. It's not good for us. Lord, help us to trust you. I don't mean pie in the sky. This makes no sense. It makes every sense. It's totally reasonable and logical that based on who you are and how you love us that we can trust you. So let's take that truth into our minds. Lord, let's right now we want to give to you everything that we've been worrying about, everything that causes us anxiety. Lord, each thing we want to just chuck it Pass it off to you and not take it back. And help us to seek your kingdom. Trust you. Seek your kingdom. Lord, help us to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.